Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. I am Pastor Ruth Gardner, and we are going into our Bible study session on tonight. We are still studying the book of Romans, and we're going to go right into it. We're going to have our very own Pastor John to open us up in prayer, and we're going to get right started. Go ahead, Pastor. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God, for bringing us together, God, one more time to gather in your name, in your presence, God. For we know where two and three are gathered together, you are in the midst. And God, we pray, God, as we continue on to Romans chapter seven, God, that you would illuminate this chapter, God. And every every time we open up the Bible, every time we look into your word, God, we just pray that you would illuminate it and give us fresh revelation, God, and help us, Lord, to be able to understand the true context in which things were said. And God, we thank you, God, for your wisdom that you are shedding upon us and for your revelation, God. And we thank you. We just pray that you forever get the praise, the glory, and the honor. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we're going to go ahead and start. We were on um, chapter six last week and we did not get through it, but we stopped at um, verse number 18. So we're going to go and start at verse number 19. And we're going to finish out chapter six. And our goal <laughs> tonight is to um, complete chapter seven as well. So I'm going to um, go ahead and get the audio uh, Bible going so we can listen. And then we're going to go right in. But before we go into the lesson tonight, anybody have any questions or anything um, that came to light? from yesterday's, from last week's uh, Bible study that they wanted to talk about or discuss or any questions? I'm good. Good, everybody's good. Okay, awesome, amen. So let's go to Romans chapter six and we're gonna start at verse number 19. And once again, we are using the NIV version. So, um, just to let you know, let me turn my volume up so you can hear. And here we go. Romans chapter six. What shall we say then? Okay. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Hold on. It went back to the beginning. I'm trying to take it to verse number 19. There we go. 
I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, here we Romans, go. chapter 7. Oh, here we go. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, all right, <laughs> not ready for that yet. So um, we uh, just read uh, Romans 6, 19 through 23, which is the end of the chapter. Paul tells us he has been speaking to us this way because of our human limitations. This is a kind way of saying that we are all a little dull and not quite bright enough to realize what's actually going on. And he was no exception. Paul believed that he was earning his place to stand before God by persecuting the very people who were telling him of the free gift of God's grace. Now we're talking about Paul when he, before his encounter on the road to Damascus, he's just is explaining about how he felt that he was doing the right thing. So he didn't know anything any more than what, than what they knew at the time. As Paul persecuted Christians, he thought he was attaining the righteousness that God required once again, Paul was um, pretty much like a Pharisee. So by persecuting the, the Christians, these newly reformed people who Christ has now have radically stirred up, you know, the religious sect. And, and now he got all these people, you know, not believing in the, the Torah or, you know, saying something different about the Torah, speaking differently and acting differently. So he felt that these Christians, quote unquote, were, you know, you know, like here here um heretics and they were just trying to just stir up trouble. So he thought he was doing the right thing by persecuting them. So he uh, thought he was attaining the righteousness that God acquired. Instead, God told him he was actually fighting directly against the one he thought he was offering righteousness to. So he was fighting against God himself, not against the people, not against what Jesus did, but fighting against God himself. Unfortunately, Paul's story is ours also. Our human limitations is that our eyes are clouded by sin. Self-justification becomes our default. And in doing so, we rewrite our own laws to suit our manner of living, and we call it righteousness. Self-justification will never equal righteousness, and we will never find our way to God through it. But it is the, very, but it is the first way people try to relate to God. By using the metaphors he has in this chapter, Paul is figuratively trying to grab us and shake us hard enough to wake us up from the deception we have so easily believed in. Death and slavery are very bold and extreme metaphors, 
And Paul uses them as a hyperbole to show us just how hard it is for us to wrap our minds around the idea of race. To this day, Romans itself is used as a proof text for every kind of way we're teaching about grace, reinforcing what Paul is saying about our limitations. Some argue that unless we act in perfect righteousness, never sinning, we cannot receive salvation. Others teach that because Jesus has saved us, we are free to sin as much as we want without consequence. Both are exactly what Paul argues against. But because it is so hard for us to understand grace rightly, opposite extremes to what Paul teaches persist. Paul concludes this thought by one more time telling us that it is only because we are slaves to God that we even have the ability to live holy. Righteousness is not the way to God, but instead the only acceptable lifestyle after we have received the grace of God. Mm. Okay, so basically what Paul is saying is that you got two, two, two different uh, teachings about salvation. One is saying that you have to walk, you have to walk upright in perfect righteousness. You know, you cannot sin. You have to be flawless. You can't have a spot or wrinkle. You got to be straight and narrow. You know, cannot sin whatsoever. And then the other one is saying that because Jesus has saved us, because we believe we're free to do what we want to do. We're free to sin. We're free to live our lives. We're free to do whatever we want to do. Because after all, we believe. We believe. And we all know that both examples, both teachings are incorrect. It is by our our acceptable lifestyle that we have received the grace of God. It's by our, our, once again, our belief, which leads to obedience, which leads us uh, desiring not to sin. It is a change of heart. It is something that happens on the inside of an, of an individual, which is really considered true salvation. Because when you believe in what, Jesus did when you have the faith in God and the faith in Jesus, you, your, your desire, your inner self, you, you yourself do not desire to do any of the things that are listed that are contrary to what God desires. You don't want to live that lifestyle. You don't want to do the things that, that, that are contrary to what God wants. It's, it's just you yourself, your individual um, decision. It's not like you are uh, a slave to um, to anything, even though the, he talks about being a slave to God, quote unquote. Um, yeah, because of the fact that we are slaves to God, because of the fact that we have such a strong uh, desire to walk and to fellowship with the Lord it automatically changes our perspective, our behavior, our attitude, our outlook becomes different because of our relationship, because we had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. We had an encounter with the Spirit of God. That is the difference. 
and because of our encounter and because of our faith, because we accepted him and there's, there's been a change in us. We now live this lifestyle because we want to please him. Not that we are forced or we're, or we're, we have to, or, you know, you know, because then if we can't take on that ap- attitude that we have to, you know, we can't do this, we can't do that. Then if we're taking on that, that idea, idealization of, um, perfect righteousness and um, never sinning in order to obtain salvation. God knows that we're human. God knows that we're, go- we're not perfect and God knows that we're going to sin. But once again, it's not like something that we predestined to do or premeditated or, or decided to do. It's just sometimes we stumble. Sometimes things happen. You know, it's not like we, we um, purposely did it. Because when you purposely sin, then that's a whole different thing. Any questions that make sense? Anyone want to uh, comment? No, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. What I just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can be willfully sinning. <laughs> ain't all willy-nilly <laughs> right it's just you know you, it, it, it's and so that's what the that is what paul is saying in chapter six that you know we are free to choose god has given us the rights to choose that's why we're not really considered like being you know, he, he always says he's a slave to God or he, you know, he's bound to Christ. And I understand his terminology, but technically we're not as, as quite as bad as we were to sin because sin reigned in our mortal flesh. It reigns within us as we go into chapter seven, we're going to see about that. But what he is saying is that we know God has given us a choice, but because of our love and our trust in God, we choose not to. Now, there will come a time where we may stumble. There will come a time where we may fall short, but it's not something that we did intentionally. Before we came to Christ, our sins were intentional. We wanted to drink. We wanted to drug. We wanted to sleep with that person. We wanted to cheat. We wanted to curse. We wanted to, we wanted to do the sins. But now that we have fallen in love with Jesus and we have taken on Christ, we do not desire to do that. But we have this war, as we're going to see in chapter seven, that, you know, that is going on in our flesh. So, you know, so all of this is leading up to chapter seven to let us know that, yes, we were once slaves. We were once bound. We were once um, uh, captive, we were a captive to sin. You know, we were captive. We were bound to it. But once Christ came and made us free, we are free and we are no longer bound to sin. Okay. Um, so now, since we uh, concluded chapter six, we're going to go ahead into chapter seven. Um, and we're going to start reading um, chapter seven. And we're going to go through uh, the first section, verses one through six. Um, so we're going to go ahead and pull up Romans chapter seven verses one through six.
Romans chapter 7. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Okay. Lots of things change when people die. As Paul pointed out, it, re it is really difficult to prosecute a dead person. The laws that apply to them while they were alive just don't seem to carry as much weight once they have been buried. Police are actually trained not to kill people in a gunfight, if at all possible. As it turns out, victims never feel a sense of justice unless they see that person stand trial for themselves. Even if police feel justified to kill a person, shooting back at or fighting with them, they are taught to restrain themselves for the sake of the victims. A dead man cannot stand trial. Paul tells us that it is the same way with sin. He uses this death analogy with the women in, in marriage. Then and, and now we make vows to the effect of till death do us part. When a husband dies, a woman is free to remarry as she chooses. But if she crosses those lines before her husband dies, there are no shortage of words to describe her. Sadly, that analogy doesn't work as well the other way around. But the point is clear. Death sets us free from the law. If we die to sin and the law, we cannot be set free from its punishments. No, we can be set free from its punishments. If we die to sin and the law, we can be set free from its punishments. Okay. Paul has nearly beaten the death analogy to death, but it is important for us to understand what he is conveying if we are to come away from Romans with the right understanding. So he uses the analogy of a married woman um, being married to her husband. Um, if her husband is still living and he and she takes on another, she is committing adultery. But if he, but if um, he dies, the first husband dies, then she's free to do what you know, she could take on a second husband without being uh, accused of being adulterous or breaking the law. And that's what he's trying to say, that we are dead to sin, that because of what Christ did, we are no longer bound to the laws. I'm sorry, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. 
and it's not saying that, okay, um, because I'm married now, I'm going to go fool around. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that the the desire or the pull or the um, beckoning of to commit the sin, we are dead to. Anyone have any questions so far? Come on, y'all talk to me now. I'm going to start calling on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to go on to uh, verses number seven, and we're going to go through seven through 13. And this section is, is the law bad? So now he's going to talk about the law. So let's continue down. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Okay. So, Paul makes it absolutely clear in Romans that the law is actually pure and holy, given mm -hmm. to us by God. Okay? So, it's like, He's making it clear that, you know, it wasn't a waste. It wasn't a waste. It didn't pertain to us. Um, he's making it clear that, you know, the law was meaningful. It had purpose. It has purpose. It points out what, what sin is. You didn't know what sin was until you, till the, till God came up with the commandments. They didn't know what sin was. They didn't even heard of the term sin before the law was made, was created, before they knew about it. They were doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but they didn't realize what they were doing was sin until the laws were produced. And I remember, um, just to give a little uh, a, a testimony, a little, you know, share something, um, my own experience. When I first got saved, um, there was, I was reading the Bible, you know, and I was reading and, you know, at the time me and, um, I know, uh, pastor Kim, I'll call her pastor Kim Murphy, um, was, we were like, kind of like reading and studying and sharing scriptures. And, you know, we were really, God was really talking and speaking with us and dealing with us, um, at the time. And there was a scripture that she found in the Galatians. And I want to go there Galatians chapter five, um, I'm going to go there real quick. 
Galatians chapter five. And I think it started at verse number 19. Yes. We say 19? Yes, Galatians chapter 5, verse number. Well, let's go back up to, I'm going to read it, but I'm going to go with verse number 13. Verse number 13, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. And I got NIV version, but I can switch over to Amplify. Um, yeah, I'm going to do Amplify, classic. Galatians 5, 13. For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness but through love you should serve one another for the whole law concerning human relationship is compiled within the one precept you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself mm -hmm. but if you bite and devour one another in partisan strife be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another but you say walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, godless human nature. For these are anti-anti-anti- and uh, antagonistic to each other <laughs> continually withstanding and in conflict conflict with each other right there right there is that's that's romans chapter seven but that's not where i'm going so we're going to keep going but if you are guided led by the holy spirit you are not subject to the law all right listen here we go now the doings practices of the flesh are clear Obvious, there are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, ill temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, factions, sex with particular opinions, heresies, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warned you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, when I first read that, I broke down and cried like a baby. Because that was, that was my moment of, of exposure to what exactly, what God considered sin. Now, remember, I was new, in, I was new in, in Christ. I was new babe. I was learning and trying to understand. But when I read all those different things, he said that these, those that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I immediately started crying. I started repenting because I was like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, because I was, I, I found myself there. I found myself in these scriptures, you know, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, you know. All these things, drunkenness, all these things. And we were like, and we weren't even at um, 
I don't think we were at GET yet. I think we were still at the Baptist church, but God was dealing with us. And we were like, really, we, that's when we really, really started reading the scriptures, like really, really di diving deep in the scriptures and trying to understand the word of God and, you know, breaking it down. And we were sharing scriptures and just, you know, talking about the Lord. And um, yeah, I saw that and I just immediately started crying and, and, and just boohoo crying because I realized that God was showing me what is truly, what is sin. You know, we know about, you know, we knew about Jesus and that he came and died for the sins of the world. And, you know, now that I believe in Christ, I'm a new creature, you know, and all that stuff like that. But, but, but I didn't know what I was a new creature from. That makes sense. I didn't know what exactly what was that, you know, God saved me from. I knew what sin, you know, you know, I'm thinking, you know, murder, you know, being evil things. But these little things, these little foxes, this was this, this hit me hard. I was like, oh my God. And then it goes on, but the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the work of which his presence within accomplishes love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control, self-restraint, continence. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. So walking in the spirit, okay? So you won't be guided to these, to gratify the cravings, the desires of the flesh. So the desires of the flesh are obvious. And these are the things that the flesh desires to do. But if you walk in the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, there are the other things. And because of that, there's no law that can bring a charge. That means you're not doing anything that's against the law, where the law can be applied. You're not doing anything where the law can be applied. That makes sense? Yeah, that's pretty much like what they were saying where, you know, if it was not for the law, he wouldn't have understanding of sin. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's why I went to that scripture, because it was there for me personally when I realized what, you know, what the, what it was, what exactly what it was. Because when I read that scripture, when I first read that scripture, when I first found that scripture, I broke down and just boohoo cried because I realized that was it. That's what I'm not supposed to do. Because I was new. And I was like, okay. So, you know, go, go have me a drink. You know. <laughs> you know. Take a cup of his weed. You know, I mean, because I was still, <laughs> I was still, you know, I was, I was new. I was new. I was trying to understand God was dealing with me. I didn't quite understand, but I knew, you know, but when I read that, my spirit, oh my God, when I tell you my heart was pricked, my heart was pricked to the point where I just broke down and started boo crying and asking God to, I repented. I was crying. I got scared because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to hell. You know, I'm just, but, but it was that. It was that, and this is why the law isn't bad. I was saying that to show why the law is bad because that's the effect that the law should have on every believer who's new to Christ, who doesn't quite understand, but now they understand and now they see what the law 
has done, but the law does. It reveals to you what is sin and it reveals to you what you should not be doing. If you're walking in the spirit, it's like a map. It's like a guide. It's like a gauge for us. Not that is a bad thing, but it just opens our eyes to the truth. And this is what the laws did. It's like you doing these things. This is not what God requires, you know? So because, and once again, going back to relationship, because you have that relationship with God and you love God and you're following after God, you won't desire to do those things because you once you want to please him and you have that relationship. You have that spirit in you that no longer desires the things of the, of the world or the things of the flesh. Right. Yeah. It makes sense why the enemy is trying to um, persuade and, and, and have this delusion where you don't, the laws don't pertain to us. You know, you hear about, all of a sudden, it just seemed like everybody, oh, we don't need the law. The law is not for us. And you hear all these new modern TED, tech, TED Talk preachers saying that type of stuff. And it's like, you you think about it, just talking about it tonight is just like, that's why they don't want, that's why the enemy don't want people to know. Right. Because it's, it's going to open their eyes right. to the truth. Right. So yeah, it makes sense. People want a lack of accountability. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. That's it. Yep. That's it. So it's like, that's why the law was created. Okay. So let's read some more. That is a paradoxical reality. Okay. Let me see. Let me go back. Paul makes it abundantly clear in Romans that the law is, is actually pure and holy given to us by God. At the same time, he makes it clear that the law actually multiplies sin within us because it shows us what it is and because we now that we know it's a harder struggle not to remember how we talked about last last week or how you tell somebody don't touch that button but because it's like they are using to see that shiny red button and you <laughs> tell that little kid don't push that button and he pushed that red button that's what the law does so now it's like a it's, it, it, it kind of causes us to fight even the more the struggle that struggle within us that is a paradoxical reality that causes many, if that most readers of Romans, to truly struggle. How can the law be holy and at the same time be the thing that increases sin within us? It may sound contradictory, but when we look at ourselves through the lens of human nature, it begins to make perfect sense. Many drug addicts understand this very well. Child, yes, I do. When they start using drugs, many users felt in control and very self-righteous. They think of themselves as better, being better than all those other people who get hooked. They know better and they will do better because they are better or so they think. They begin with a feeling of control, but as they dive deeper into the belly of the beast, they have paired themselves to, they realize they have lost control. Yeah. Yeah. First thing an alcoholic or a drug addict will say, I got this. I'm in control. It doesn't have me. I, I can stop quit it anytime. I can stop what I want to. I can quit when I want to. I'm not, I'm I'm not addicted to it. 
it's just, it's just a, it's just a recreational thing. It's just something I do, you know, to ease off, you know, ease the end of the day, or I take, I have a drink, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't need to drink every night. I, I, I'm not hooked. I can stop when I want to, but like the drug addiction exposed the reality that was present in them before they ever begun using. They were lost. That spirit of addiction. Because see, another thing too, that you have to be careful because it's not so much the drug, it's the spirit of addiction. So now you got to be careful because even though you got rid of that drug or that alcoholic addiction, that spirit of addiction can pop up somewhere else. You could be addicted mm -hmm. to pornography. You could become addicted to um, smoking. You become addicted to uh, gambling. You can become addicted to uh, social media. You know, you have to be careful. So you well, still have to fight against that that spirit of, of addiction. Go ahead, Pastor. Think, think about the drugs and things in, in, in their basic form. What do they do? They increase your brain's dopamine levels and things like that. Your brain's natural pleasure responses. So even if you take away those drugs, you could stimulate those parts of your brain in other ways. And that, that tends to be what people tend to do. They'll trade off one addiction for another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's why, you know, I, I, and I take this as a personal thing that I do, like when I see myself doing something and I'm like kind of getting hooked into it, I, I'll, I'll stop. I'm like, all right, you know what? Let me cut this out because I can see myself getting addicted to it even though it's not drugs, even though it's not alcohol, it's nothing, any, any vices, but that spirit is there. Even caffeine, the thing yeah. that I had you watching before. Caffeine, yeah. Thing, mm -hmm. yeah, what was one thing that they said? It spikes your brain's dopamine levels. Uh, that's why you're going to stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's natural. <laughs> you Okay. <laughs> It's not. They feel it with so many chemicals nowadays. Pot of coffee, pot, pot of day. That's what I'm calling you. Pot of day. Pot of coffee a day. Um, so anyway, uh, okay. For many drug for many drug addicts, the law gets quite literally involved. Many times, it is the consequences of their law that gives them pause enough to look at their life and realize that it has spun out of control. Many drug addicts will tell you that they thank God for their addiction because except for it, they would not have known how utterly broken they truly were. That is the truth. Their drug addiction exposed the reality that was present in them before they ever begun using. They were lost. Like Paul says here in chapter seven, their addiction seizing its opportunity produced every kind of destruction in their life. It was actually the thing that opened their eyes to how lost they were at the outset. An addict's problem is that they don't know on the front end how lost they are until they are so deep into drug abuse that they don't know what to do to get out. It is their addiction, as bad as it is, that opens the eyes of an addict to the reality of who they have been all along. The law is the same way. Until we are confronted with the true nature of our rebellion, we are all blind to it. The law affords us the opportunity to see ourselves as we truly are, sinners separated from God. 
It is not God who causes us to sin, but our rebellion against the law. As Paul says, the law is holy, righteous, and good. And he mentions that in verse number 12. So basically comparing the life of uh, addict is he's comparing it to how the law works in the lives of a sinner. It's not until you actually see how far you are from God that you realize that you're lost. And that's what the law does. The law shows you just how far disconnected you are from God. That's why when I read Galatians 5, 19, I realized just how lost I was. Now, mind you, yes, I had that, I had that testimony of my addiction and um, I've gone through all of that with my addiction and that came after the fact. It came after the fact that the law exposed me because I already had the, I already had the struggle with the addiction and God delivered me from that. And that's why God was dealing with me about it. And that's when I started reading the word and started getting myself together. I came back to the church, went back to the Baptist church. I was trying to get my life together. And then when I started really, really seriously reading the Bible, I came over right before I came over to GET. Or did I come over to GET and started reading it? I'm trying to think now. Nope, it was before because I was still, yeah, it was before that when I read that scripture from five, Galatians 5.19, I was still over at the um, Baptist church when that happened. So God dealt with me there and he exposed it. And that's when I realized just how far and disconnected I was from him. I already gone through my addiction phase, got myself together from that, but I was still out there. Like I was saying, I was still out there. You know, I knew I wasn't doing the drug thing anymore, but I was out there, you know, smoking, drinking, you know, going out to club, we were clubbing and stuff like that. But what God was dealing with us and we were starting to read the Bible more. We were starting to, you know, get into, get into church more, you know, because I, because when God set me free from the addiction, I went on ahead and said, let me get myself right in church once and for all. And that's when I started going back to the church. And that's when I was reading the Bible, but it was until I read that scripture that I really, really broke down and started crying and realized just how far I was. Even though he took the, took the taste out of my mouth, even though he delivered me from it, I was still lost. And that's what the law did. The law proves to us that we are not as good as we think we are. We're not as good. We're not okay. Like we think we are. And I thought I was good because of the fact that I had got over the drug thing, you know, my addiction, but I was still, still in sin, but I was going to church. I was singing in the choir. You know, I was doing all the church things, you know, got back in the choir started directing the choir and you know at the baptist church you know i was doing my thing you know i would go out once in a while i wasn't i wasn't doing drugs you know maybe have a drink here and there you know you know i wasn't smoking crack but i was you know doing a little weed here and there and that was that's not that bad i mean it's a little weed you know but that's where i was so i thought i was still i was okay 
because I was no longer struggling with this addiction. But when I read that, the Galatians 5.19, that broke me down even more and showed me, okay, you're out of that, but you still ain't, you're still not right. There's still some things in you. And that's when I really repented and asked God to forgive me. And that's when I really accepted Christ. Okay. Anybody have any questions? No. Any comments? Okay, so we're gonna go ahead on. Um, yeah, chapter seven. Oh, this is it. Chapter four, <laughs> 14. Short chapter, actually. Yeah, it is a short chapter. I'm hot. I just broke out in a sweat. Whew, goodness. Um, so now we're gonna go ahead to um finish the rest of chapter seven and we're going to go on and start at verse number 14 all right and let's go we know that the law is spiritual but i am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin i do not understand what i do for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Well, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Romans. Okay, so it has become quite an in vogue in recent years to teach people that Paul says the law is evil. Often, Romans is used as the proof text. Paul unequivocally says the opposite but this is nothing new but a repackaging of ancient heresies that have been long refuted the modern trend stems from the idea that the old testament god is not good therefore the law must be bad too the problem as we have seen is not with the law but with us it is our own simple desires within us that drives us to rebel against the law the law proves to us that we are not as good as we think we are. Mm. It exposes us. The better we know the law, the more it exposes within our own 
but within us our own rebellion and sinful nature. It is the very thing that shows us we need freedom. Without it, we, we would continue in our own self-righteousness, self-justifying ways. Paul is like all of us. We know that we want to do good, but we find being bad so much easier. Like Paul, our souls cry out for freedom from this wretched person that we are. There is a better way, but it requires as much slavish devotion to something new as did our sin require slavish devotion to fulfilling every lustful desire to ourselves. It requires slavish devotion to Jesus. Okay, so when you hear that, that part about wanting to do good and you find yourself not doing good and the things that you desire to do, you don't do, but the things that you desire not to do that you find yourself doing. When Paul was talking about this, he was explaining it in, in the sense that before the law, okay? Because in chapter six, if we go back up to chapter six, let me see if I go up to chapter six. And let me go back to, where's the version I had? Because when we go back up to six, it tells us that we are not bound to the law, right? But when he, what he's using, when he talks about this particular scripture, because a lot of people use this scripture to explain the struggle that we have within us, which is kind of like a struggle that we have within us, but at the same time, um, this is not what goes on in the life of a believer. Someone who has died to sin and the law. Because remember, when we take on Christ, we are dead to sin. Okay, let me try to explain this so I can get, get a good, give you a good understanding of what I'm, where I'm going because it's kind of difficult. So when we come into holiness and we come into salvation, our flesh is crucified it's, and, and, and we're, we're dead to sin, right? We're no longer under the law of sin. Sin, the, the, the law was used to reveal it to us, right? That was the purpose of the law so that we could see just how far and how disconnected we really were. Okay. The law was there to show us where we were before. Remember we talked about before Christ and then that's the mercy part. And then we came into knowledge and acceptance of God. And now we're over here under grace. Remember how we talked about that before? So what Paul is saying when he talks about this scripture and he's saying about um, where it says, we know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin. See, when you read chapter seven, when you go into verse number, trying to find it. Or am I still in seven? I'm in eight. Let me see where I'm at. Let me see where I'm at. Yeah, I'm still in seven. Okay. Um, when he says, 
what shall we say then is the law sinful certainly not nevertheless i would have known what sin i would not have known what sin was had it been for the law for i would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said you shall not covet okay so and you go down to verse number 10 he says i found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death for sin seized an opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death he is talking about what the law did before salvation okay what he's describing was what he was experiencing before salvation okay so with the mistake that we make in using this scripture is that we'll use it for now on this side of the cross shouldn't be he's talking about what he experienced before the cross because look what he says on verse number 24 what a wretched man i am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death thanks be to god who delivers me through jesus christ our lord So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. My sinful nature and our flesh. Before he came into Christ, this is the wrestle and this is the struggle that we have. But now that we are dead to the law and we're dead to sin this does not or should not take place See, look at, okay, it's, it's real quiet. Y'all, are y'all there? Hello? <laughs> Did we get disconnected? Yeah, <laughs> okay, because here, look at, okay, let me, let me break it down. I mean, let me just, because I'm like, y'all like, hmm. So look at, okay, where is it says? Da, 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 da. Okay, we know the lost spirit, but I am spiritual, soul to the slave to sin, for I do not understand what I do, for what I do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law. Or I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that, that does it. Okay? Right there. That's before the law. That's before salvation. So I find this law at work. 
Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. That's after. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. That's your spirit man. Now he's talking about that conflict. Let me straighten this out because I'm saying it. I'm saying it wrong. Let me just straighten this out. Let me just let me just straighten this out. Okay. So where it says that he the things that he does, he do not want to do. I hate to do it, and the things that that was when he was trying to live under the law, and it wasn't working for him. So then he goes, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. That's that part where it can't, it's like before him, before him coming into the knowledge of God. Am I making sense or am I losing y'all? I think I get what you're trying to say. I think I get it. Okay, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I think I think you're, I think if I'm interpreting it correctly, you keep saying this is before the law. So are you saying like in the sense of before um, deliverance kind of quote unquote took place? Yes, not, not before the law. Let me, let me say before, before the cross, before his encounter and before his salvation for, before he, um, came into the knowledge of God and, and became uh, a slave to God before he became a slave to God, before he, yeah. The the little thing, it's just a little passage right there that he says, I find um, that, that, that law, oh, wait a minute, where is it? Verse number 15 down to verse number 21. maybe 22. No, nope. for my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. See right there, he's admitting, see, oh God, how can I say this? He's he's describing the, the, the struggles that he had trying to uphold the law, trying to live by the law itself. He found himself in this war, in this struggle. Mm -hmm. Okay. He found himself battling within himself in this struggle when he tries to uphold the law. And when he was talking about this, he was using, he was saying in a, in a general, like a generalization, like he was talking to the people and they're like, like, he was trying to relate to them. I say that like they were saying this to themselves. 
if I do what I want to do, I agree to, you know, I find myself doing this and I know I don't want to do it, but I find myself doing it. And then the things I don't want to do, you know, he was saying because he was trying to live by the law. He was trying to live under the law only. That's why he said, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the, this body that is subject to death, subject to death for the wages of sin is death. Remember he said that? Mm -hmm. So he's reading the scripture and he's saying, as trying to live under the law, this is the struggle that we have, but who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Then he goes in verse number 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So Christ came and delivered him from this, 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 this thing, this battle, this struggle that he was trying to do good because of, he was trying to live by just the law. So it, it weighed on him. It, 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 it tore him down. It, it frustrated him because he was trying to do what was right, but he couldn't do it because he was trying to just follow it through just the law. But Jesus came and rescued him from it and freed him from it. So now he's a slave to God's law. Am I making sense? This is real quiet. Am I confusing you guys? No, I'm not confused. Do you not agree? And why? Huh? <laughs> I said, I'm asking, do you not agree? And if you do, why? Or what is it? Because you're like, you guys are not saying anything. It's like you're trying to ponder. Are you trying to ponder on what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I just I, I was I was thinking about something um, when you were talking that last little bit until you got quiet again. <laughs> <laughs> um, For real. And you keep you keep getting quiet. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like why do you keep getting quiet? Because I want to see. Um, I, want, I want you to come because y'all quiet. I'm like, okay, do you understand or? Do you agree? Do you do you see what I'm saying? Is there any, like, I don't know. Because, you know, because last time when I was trying to spend some you, you was like, I don't know. And it seemed like, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Because no, you basically. It kind of reminds me of, um, um, like, trying to, trying to live right without the Holy Ghost. Because right. we already know Jesus fulfilled the law and um, the Holy Ghost is pretty much because the laws are written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so we we have the law inside of us through the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like when you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, it's hard to live right. And you right. don't you don't have a guy, you don't have anything to convict you of your right and your wrong but when you get filled with the holy spirit is like now you have that conviction 
now you have that guidance to where even if you didn't fully know the Ten Commandments, you still get convicted by something like, you know, you know, I don't know why I feel bad about, you know, being jealous. You know, it, it like it, it brings those things to you. So it's kind of like symbolic with Paul was like, I'm trying to live these laws. And every time I would do good, evil is always there until Jesus came. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Oh, God. That's it. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, that's what you're trying to say. Yes, I just thank you. Okay. I, that's what I was trying to say. He was trying to live it through the law without, like before salvation, under the law. And then when salvation came, we're under grace. Because look at verse number eight and one. And we're going to stop, we're going to wrap it up here. But look at verse number eight and one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit who gives me life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That right there is like trying to live before. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're saying. Gotcha. So, yep. So, yep. So, oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. So what <laughs> I'm saying is that a lot of us, we will use this scripture to, to um, justify our struggle, but this is not what Paul is saying. Mm. This is before the law. This is this is before salvation. He's under the law. He's describing his life under the law. Because then he says, "Thanks be to God." Like verse twenty-five, who delivers me through the, Jesus Christ the Lord. That's why verse number eight and one says, "Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." I struggle. I have my issues. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get frustrated or overwhelmed. I'm not going to continue in sin, but I'm not going to lose my mind when I stumble or a trip or, or, or mess up because there is no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because there's still some residue. Right. You still have to you still have to get rid of the residue. The initial deliverance came. Right. And now there's still residue. So now I'm not gonna be condemned because I still got residue. I'ma just keep going on until the residue is gone. Exactly. Gotcha. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, was like, I couldn't find where I could say it right. But that's exactly <laughs> what I was trying to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Those who are listening, that's what I was trying to say <laughs> for the past 15, 20 minutes. But yes, that's it. We are not, he's, he's showing an example of what he experienced before salvation while he was still under the law. And he was using that as an example because when he was talking to the Romans, he was telling them that, you know, this is probably what you experienced. This is what you're trying to do. Because remember in the book of Romans, we talked about how the, the Jews and Gentiles was trying to come together. Remember they were trying to come together and there were some people that was under the law and they were trying to make everybody live under the law. And then he's trying to say, no, we don't have to really live under the law, but just trust in Jesus and, and, and follow his lead and, 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 you know, receive, you know, go on with the Lord, come, you know, believe in Jesus Christ about and all that stuff. He was trying to move them out from under that, but this is the frustration that they were experiencing. So he was putting himself in their position. He was kind of being empathetic to what they were struggling with because of the fact that they were still living under the law. 
And he's trying mm -hmm. to break them away from under the law and tell them that because of Jesus, you're free from that. Just do, just follow God. Let the spirit of God permeate your heart, change your posture. Let that encounter, let God, the spirit of God move in you and then go on with Jesus. But you know, you're not going to be, it's not going to be easy because you still got some quote unquote, like you said, Elder Joyer residue that you still got to get out of you, but just mm -hmm. keep, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep following after Christ because after a while that for the, for what the law was powerless to do because it weakened the flesh God did by sending his own son to the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he can then sin in the flesh because if we believe in Jesus Christ, our flesh is free from damnation, even though mm -hmm. sin resides there in our flesh. But because we are believing, Jesus, and then what happens is when we believe in Jesus, we don't we don't desire to 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 do those sinful things. You know, we don't desire it. It's like like we were talking the other day. We we could go out and I can go get high. I can go drink. I can do that if I want to. There's nothing stopping me. I don't desire because I love God and I want to please him. So that is the reason why I don't do what I do. That is the reason why I don't dress the way I dress. That is the reason why I don't behave the way I behave. You know, that, that is the reason why I don't live a certain lifestyle, even though I could. I have a choice. God still gives a choice, but I choose to follow Jesus and I choose to serve Jesus and I choose to obey his commandments because of obedience, because of my love for him. And that is what Paul is trying to tell the Romans in this. Amen. 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 So Elder Joy, since you got that light bulb and, and it was able to decipher what I was trying to say, can you dismiss us, please? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for this class. Father, we want to thank you for, for your revelation on tonight. Father, we want to thank you for the word. We thank you for this time that we have come together to learn more of you, to get a deeper understanding of what you're saying to us individually and corporately. Father, we want to thank you once again for the revelation on tonight. Father, I pray that we will hide this word in our hearts so that we might not sin against you. Father, I pray that we digest this word. I pray that we, we feast on it for the rest of the week. Father, those who are listening, Father, I pray that you would cover them. I pray that you would bless them for, for tuning in with us on tonight. Father, I pray that you will cover us as we sleep on tonight. Father, I pray for peace in the name of Jesus. Father, we drive out every insomniac spirit in the name of Jesus. We ask that you will look on the members of VLCC near and far, even our pastors. I pray that you would cover them under your blood, strengthen them, and encourage them. Father, we love you, and we give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So next week, we're going into Romans chapter 8. That's a good one. That's a good chapter, yes. Okay, all right, good night. Good night. Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC 
or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.